Hello and welcome back to episode 178 of the Sustainable-ish podcast back after a teensy-weensy slightly longer than planned Christmas break. Finding it difficult to get restarted after a break is, let's face it, becoming something of a recurring theme for this podcast and I can only apologise. And on that note, in an attempt to cut down the the time it takes me to edit and produce the podcast, I am axing. That sounds really brutal, doesn't it? (laughs) It's not meant to sound brutal at all. Cutting out the good news section for now. It was great for making me seek out the good news and actually quite good for my mental health in that respect, because there really is lots of it out there. But actually what ended up doing was creating another barrier for me getting episodes out there. So in the interests of getting something out there is better than having, you know, something perfect. And it wasn't perfect. Let's be, let's be clear about this, but done is better than perfect. Uh, We're going back to just straight episodes for the foreseeable future. So apologies to those of you who uh, really enjoyed the good news um, bits. Maybe I will try and endeavour to post more of those on social media so that we can see them. So, uh, well, it (laughs) feels like it's most definitely way too late in the year to be wishing you a happy new year and asking you how your Christmas was. But I really hope that 2024 is treating you well so far. I've been keeping myself busy with carbon literacy training and have also developed, uh, and this is slightly meta, a course for people who want to create their own carbon literacy course and ran the first one of those in February. So fingers crossed there will be some lovely, shiny, new, amazing carbon literacy courses out there in the world in the next few months. Um, If get carbon literate, you know, get a better understanding of the climate science, feel more confident talking about climate um, and get loads of ideas for things that you can do around it is on your list for 2024. Then please do come and join me for carbon literacy training. Um, I will pop a link to uh, that on the show notes. which you can find, I ought to say, at www. I don't even need to say the www bit, do I? <laughs> a sustainable life.co.uk forward slash podcast. And in addition to that, in the Sustainable-ish Clubhouse, which is my membership uh, community, we've currently got a theme of swapping and switching, looking at all the big and small sustainable-ish swaps that we can make. And do you know what? It turns out there's quite a lot from really big, impactful, meaty things like switching bank accounts, switching energy providers, switching pensions, through to smaller things like maybe swapping a regular product in your weekly shop for a fair trade or an organic version. Or, um, and I particularly love this one, this was Julia in the clubhouse, swapping buying a book for borrowing it from the library. So if that sounds like something that you might find fun and enjoyable and would love a bit of um, accountability and resources and lovely community around you to take some action, do come and join us. And again, I will pop a link in the show notes. I will not repeat my WWW debacle. Before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to give you a little update on the last episode that went out quite some time ago now. before Christmas and if you can cast your mind back those of you who are regular listeners it was with William Eccles from The Commitment. Now there was a very clear call to action during that episode. We actually asked people to stop listening 
and to head over to the commitment website and to make the commitment to voting only for politicians who work for urgent action on climate and nature. Now, it's looking increasingly likely we will have an election here in the UK uh, this year. So politicians need to know that we are demanding more urgent action on climate and nature. And this is a brilliant way to do it. So the team at the commitment and actually William himself, bless him, sent me an email on Christmas Eve uh, with a little update. Um, to let me know that 68 people had listened to the podcast and went and signed up. And part of me was like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. I genuinely love hearing about the fact that people have listened to the podcast and gone and done something differently. That's the whole point of everything I do. So part of me was like, this is amazing. Um, And a huge thank you to those of you who did that. And obviously, like every commitment really does count. But I went and had a little look at the stats and over a thousand people have listened to that episode. So percentage-wise we're still pretty small. So if you listened to that episode, or if you now go back and listen to it, and you meant to do it at the time, but then life got in the way, and there is absolutely no judgment here. (laughs) It happens all the time to me. I'm very guilty of that. This is your gentle reminder, gentle nudge to please, please go and do that. I will pop a link to it in the show notes, but essentially what you need to do is you need to go and visit (laughs) thecommitment.uk. I really struggle with web addresses, don't I? Thecommitment.uk and it's all there for you. So on with today's episode. Today I am chatting to Misha Danek from Space Hive, the home of community fundraising. What does that mean? <laughs> well, we're probably all familiar with the concept of crowdfunding by now, aren't we? And may even have funded projects um, and products on platforms like Kickstarter. Well, SpaceHive is a similar concept. It's a crowdfunding platform, but it's for community projects. So on there, you will find all sorts of lovely, genuinely heartwarming things like a cricket club raising funds for new kit or a town looking to create a rural arts hub. And as we will hear from Misha, there are a huge number of nature and climate projects on the platform too. Many of us might have ideas for projects that we would love to see happening in our local community. So whether that's a regular repair cafe or maybe solar panels on your kid's school or transforming that derelict bit of land you walk past every day into a community garden or perhaps something else entirely. But for most of us, those ideas stay in our heads as dreams. Because when we think about the reality of trying to find the money to get it off the ground, it all very quickly starts to feel very overwhelming. So you will be relieved to hear that this is where SpaceHive comes in. They have helped to fund over 2,000 projects and raised over £30 million for local community projects. And interestingly, they have the highest success rate of any crowdfunding platform with an 85% success rate. So 85% of the projects on their platform end up getting funded. So you are way more likely to succeed than you are to fail. Misha talks in the podcast about this idea of small but mighty projects and... (laughs) You will probably be able to tell from my reaction during the episode that I just absolutely love this idea. Many of the projects on Space Hive are small. They're not going to change the world, but they absolutely do change their local community. And with governments around the world failing to take the ambitious actions that we need to see to protect nature and the climate, community action is absolutely vital and is one of the things that is going to mean that or is really, yeah, is going to mean that we get the action that we need. Community action is 100% vital in this. And so many of the projects come with additional co-benefits. So 
While the original intention of the project might be, for example, supporting wildlife or installing solar panels, the ripple effects might be things like improved physical and mental health or financial savings. And all of them will, without a doubt, be bringing people in that local community together, making that community stronger and making where they live just a little bit better. So I would love to hear if you have any ideas for local, sustainable-ish projects that you would love to get off the ground and if this episode has made you feel a little bit braver about it and possibly even launch your project on Space Hive. So I will be back at the end of this, not with um, the good news, but with a little roundup. Um, So enjoy this and I will catch you on the other side. Hi Misha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jen. Nice to be here. Yeah, well, um, we've tried this a few times, haven't we, to get this set up and you've been beset by bugs brought into your <laughs> household by <laughs> the generosity of your lovely toddler. So yeah. <laughs> it's great yeah, to be nursery bugs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so much fun, so much fun. Um, can you give us a little intro, let us know who you are? I'm always interested in where people are and, and what you do would be marvellous. I'd love to. Um, I'm Misha, CEO of SpaceHive. Um, and SpaceHive is a fundraising platform for community projects. Um, and over the past few years, we have helped raise over £30 million to support locally led uh, community ideas. So we work with individuals, with community groups, with social enterprises. Um, across the UK and Ireland to help them raise the funds they need to to make the place where they live stronger and better and um, happier, prouder, more prosperous. Um, And those ideas range from future-proofing community buildings, creating city farms, sprucing up playgrounds, environmental education projects, uh, enhancing or creating new green spaces and encouraging active transport. We talk a lot about um, the projects being uh, as broad as the public's imagination because we do really see this amazing kaleidoscope of ideas come forward. Mm, okay, it, it sounds amazing. It sounds absolutely phenomenal. And you talked um, before we hit record, you used this phrase, which um, totally made my eyes light up small but mighty projects, which yeah. I absolutely adore that idea of. Um, so before we dive into sort of some of the projects and some examples and some information for people, like how did how long Space Hive been running? How did it come about? Is it your baby? Is it um, was it somebody else's invention? How did it all come about? Yeah, so Space Hive was launched in 2011 by the founder, who's called Chris Gourlay. And he had this beautiful idea, uh, which was that, you know, there are there are lots of ways in which um, local government and, and government can help areas um, improve but actually what's more powerful and actually can can sometimes be faster is if we um encourage and enable local people to um come up with those solutions themselves because not only are they way more in tune with the areas that they live Mm -hmm. they inherently you know they experience the issues that are there and therefore they inherently know what the solutions should be so if we enable local people to come up with with the ideas that will um uh, tackle some of these issues um it's gonna just be way more successful so he set about setting up 
space hive um and then over the years brought in more and more different partners so we work with businesses councils foundations um that want to support local projects so at any one time you can have up to six million pounds available that the public can then pitch to and 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 get uh support for for their ideas and so chris um got that off the ground worked on it for a decade and um then handed over to me uh in 2020 and I had spent the last 20 years prior to that working in marketing and PR for all sorts of different organizations from um, interesting startups, um, different charities like Christian Aid and Oxfam through to um, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Samsung, Spotify, Diageo, um, all sorts of different and interesting brands. And then I had probably what was a, a kind of early great resignation moment in 2019, where I thought, you know what, that that there's there's maybe another way that I can use my skills and um, decided to find uh, a role that um felt like it was delivering more to the world and uh, in what space hive and um it's been incredible and you know I joined in November 2020 so peak lockdown yes yeah and that was an interesting year for space hive because you know is do people still have money to support local projects like this everyone's really concerned and actually we saw a 250 percent increase in the volume of projects because suddenly we were all stuck at home Mm. we weren't leaving the, the the couple of streets that we lived in and so where we live became way more important and and making those areas stronger and better became much more front of mind because we noticed that people didn't have access to equal outdoor space and we noticed when there were areas that could be so much better that had been just neglected because we were too busy just walking past on our way to to work or somewhere you know wherever else we were all heading and so actually what we saw was this massive rise in in community action and 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 the creation of all, all these projects and and that's it's kind of continued since then the work we've done has absolutely um snowballed and I think what's what's always amazing is that Space Hive acts as this barometer um of the mood of the nation and of what is going on so the ideas that come forward are always innovative smart um creative and fun solutions these aren't always like really serious issues you you know there are really imaginative solutions to to address some of these challenges that people see so um at the moment communities are concerned about the cost of living Mm. rising energy costs and the climate crisis and therefore the projects just as in 2020 it was all about green spaces the projects we see come forward reflect those concerns so we've seen a 25% increase this year or last year in uh, rewilding projects. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So local communities taking over otherwise neglected land, 
creating public spaces, boosting natural um, biodiversity. And, you know, 65% of the people that use Space Hive have never done a project like this before. So this isn't, um, uh, you know, we're reaching a completely new, different yeah. different range of people coming forward with the ideas. We've had a 40% increase in community gardens. Oh, wow. Which not only um, is 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 great for the planet but they're just wonderful social hubs for for local people for so somebody who's not heard of or may not have a community garden locally or might have sort of heard the phrase and kind of think they know what it means but you know if they had to write it down wouldn't be sure what what is a community garden well it's a spe- and th- and this is the other thing community gardens can really vary from... yeah but they can look like anything it's a bit of a how long is a piece of string question yeah a small <laughs> triangle of grass between a couple of streets that people have um refreshed and are growing produce for the local area to uh broader um community gardens that extend up to almost community farms um, where people local people can come you know pick up a spade get their hands in the dirt and and grow food we've got an amazing um community farm in Barnet at the Totteridge Academy it's a great school up there and they um have turned one of the school fields into a farm um and they launched that in 2018 and so in 2020 when all of the children were at home um they opened that up to volunteering days so that people that were stuck at home that didn't necessarily have a garden could go there and work on the farm um and they put produce into each of the um boxes of food that fair show were giving out to to families that were on free school meals they now have a farmer's market that has expanded from this tiny um space so there there is a really amazing scale of what can happen when when people get around the idea of community garden and when when you say farm like is that um like are there animals on there or is it um sort of vegetables? Yeah, there are a few animals on there now. And it's grown over time. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. with with some plots of, of food and and it also it, they run educational workshops for for kids in the local area but also mm. the children at the school. So they have a class per week that they're going in there and you know learning how to grow vegetables, learning about why that's important, mm. learning how to cook and um, you know the other sort of benefits you get from being outside and being closer to nature and um, I'm, I'm just like obviously I'm now thinking well my kid's school needs a farm and I'm sure every school needs a farm, yeah <laughs> um, so like funding is a I love the fact that you said I think six, 65 percent maybe people had never sort of done this kind of project before because that's that's the, I don't know whether that's the biggest barrier they're like hmm. I don't I don't know how to do that I wouldn't have the first idea I wouldn't know where to get the money from I wouldn't know who to talk to I wouldn't and is that something that that you guys can literally hold people's hands through that whole process absolutely that's why Space Hive exists our mission is to make it easy for local people to make the area where they live better and stronger so we believe passionately that local people have the best ideas about what's needed in the areas that they live but due to lack of funding lack of resources Mm. confidence 
previous experience mm. it's nerve-wracking putting putting your hand up and saying I'm going to do this thing will you back me will you give me thousands of pounds to to make this idea happen so often what can happen is people feel locked out of the process yeah. before they've even begun and um all of the work that that the team brilliant team at space hive do is about unlocking those barriers so our platform helps you go through the process our team we've got a, a, a team called the project success team so you can see what they do um but they are there to support um users to make sure that before you even go live on the platform we feel confident that you have the greatest chance of succeeding so they will work with you on shaping the idea on developing your budget are there things that you haven't thought about that 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 we see because we see these projects every day and have done for years um have you got the right planning permission mm. so really dull so, stuff like insurance and things exactly. that would never really... it's really really important but that's the thing that, that trips up and if you haven't raised money for it then it will really mm. trip you up because it's not in your budget so um so space Hive has a success rate of 85%. Um, now, to put that into context, the industry average is 22%. So when you say success rate, is that projects that get funded or projects that, you know, yeah. then there's, there's that success, but then there's the, like getting the funding to actually making the project happen and getting the outcomes that you want. What's the, the sort of success metric, I guess? Success metric is getting the funding. Cool. So... That's just eighty-five percent, and it's it, not. Um, I just want to sort of get clear about so people put a project up on a platform, and then it's not a crowdfunding platform in the same way as um all the crowdfunding platform names have gone completely out of my head. But like the, you know, crowdfunding getting GoFundMe, giving yeah. it's the same. It's the but, same, or is it? But like there's one people access to grant funding and lottery funds and all that sort of thing, or combination. Yeah, so users would go onto space i in the same way you would any of those other platforms and start a project um and you start fundraising so you go out to your local community you you talk to your friends your family you post on social media you speak to the local paper you get your mum and your gran involved and um you start raising the money. The difference of of space Hive is that on top of that we have this network of of our partners, which include local councils, uh, different mayors up and down the country, um, organizations like Barclays, BT, Arts Council that have supported um, and want to support local projects. Um, and so you can then, in addition to the money you can raise from, from your own network, which we support you to do, mm-hmm. um, you can also access this, money which which currently stands at six million pounds um and all of those organizations have said what kind of projects they want to support so they might be interested in um ideas around sustainability so we have a partner violia um which is the waste management company um who have a nationwide sustainability fund it mirrors their esg goals um and so esg it, i'm always really aware that that we say that and then there'll be people at home going esg and it's such a complicated term to try and explain in in you know 
um, a thing, but what does that stand for for people? It stands for environmental, social and governance goals. So these are goals that an organisation would set itself to ensure that it's delivering effectively um, against um, certain criteria. Amazing. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Detail, but that um, might be... So, so you know, your environmental goals might be climate change, yeah. um, reducing greenhouse gas emissions, if that's an issue for you, waste recycling, yeah. social goals will be around um, uh, bringing people together, improving diversity, equality, human rights, yeah. and, and governance would be around, you know, is your board diverse? Um, are you paying people well you know have you have you set the company up in a strong way and so yeah. the social and environmental bit are, are quite important for for Speyside because they're the kind of organizations that we want to meet mm. um and so companies will, will 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 set a fund around what is important to them from those goals that they've set so it might be um that they're focused on sustainability or specifically um, recycling, or it might be supporting young people or music projects or um, food projects or loneliness. So mm. it, is the, it can it varies in terms of what those organisations are focused on. And then what happens is when you upload your project to Space Hive, it gets tagged with what it's about. And the um, partners that have a relevant fund will then get an alert to say wow. there is a project that has appeared that you might be interested in funding, go along and have a look. And then what happens is they can then also support your project. So not only are you raising from your own community, but you are then able to access the Space Hive community of mm. partners. And when a partner supports a project, the, that success rate jumps to 94%. Wow. Yeah. Because when your local crowd see an organisation that they recognise supporting a project, it gives everyone a bit of confidence yes. and an excitement that this is going to happen. And um, and so, you know, nine and a half out of 10 projects will will happen. So So we're really proud of that. And we've worked really hard to make sure that all of those barriers that we talked about that can get in people's mm. way um, have, have been addressed in some way to make it as easy as possible to get in and out and, and get the funding you need and, and, and enable our users to really focus on making those projects um, come to life. Yeah. And I think, you know, talking specifically from a, a sort of climate or a sustainability perspective, it's, there's always this debate about individual action versus um, individual mm -hmm. change versus system change and all those sorts of things. And, and actually, they're two sides of the same coin. But but one area where they really intersect or maybe where we can really amplify our individual action is that community level action, isn't it? And having that uh, community resilience, um, whether that's in people knowing how to grow their own food, whether that's in people being able to repair their clothes, whatever it might be, that is is so important. And also when we think about how climate impacts um, unequally and, you know, the most mm. vulnerable communities will always be the most impacted regardless of where they are in the world or where they are in, in within, you know, even there's inequality within cities and things. So having that community level, being able to bring everybody together, just ticks so many different boxes from a, um, 
you know, it's, it really shows how sustainability and social justice and all those sorts of things really intersect and and being able to have projects that that are doing, ticking lots of boxes at the same time is just incredible. Definitely. And, um, you know, as I mentioned before we started, one of the reasons that I was so pleased to be talking to you today is that um, we talk a lot about small but mighty ideas. So the idea that um, anyone with an idea, however small they think it is, can have a huge impact on their community. And it's often the small but mighty ideas that that absolutely explode and they create the most incredible impact. A great example of that is is in Liverpool. It's in a, a, a park called Green Park, Green Bank Park. Um, and it's a community compost area there. Now, it's a, it's a beautiful park and local re- residents wanted um, to start composting their food waste. They didn't have a system, a waste collection system in place with their council. Mm. Um, but within a matter of weeks, they'd raised their target, which was just under 3K. Um, so £3,000. It allowed them to run the programme for the first year. It funded food waste caddies for anyone that wanted them and this central space for people to compost their food waste. All done within weeks. Relatively easy to set up, but an absolutely transformative effect on the local community. And... of the money came from Space Hive Partners, which included the local council. So the council couldn't um, develop the the, the system because, you know, councils in this country at the moment are um, incredibly busy and have enormous... On their knees financially, a lot of them as well, aren't they? Incredibly pressured and, and, and there are priorities there. But they immediately could see the benefits of this happening and and were were more than happy to support it. So half the money came from Space Life Partners and and within weeks that was up and running. And that is a really beautiful, perfect example of what we call a small but mighty, mighty project. And And do the projects, um, I think you probably said this at the beginning, but do they have to be um, sort of charitable projects or can they be sort of social enterprises in that that they can so there's a scheme near me in Froome where they um collect uh food waste from businesses and have a have a, a central composting uh, point for them and then sell the compost back to the local community and they charge the businesses a rate for doing that but it's obviously you know it's all on a shoestring it's all done um so it's it's one of the sort of social enterprise in that it's generating money but it's all ploughed back into the enterprise and all that sort of thing so do they have to be for your project in Liverpool, was there any charge to the um, householders for having the food waste caddy? Was, you know, anybody paid or was it all just a completely charitable endeavour? Um, yes, so social enterprises are very welcome. So we work with um, individuals, community groups, small charities um, and um, social enterprises. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> Can you, um, I mean, I would, I could just sit here all day and hear you talk about, give you examples of amazing projects. You said that um, 
you had a big um or whether it was an upsurge or you've, you've really noticed uh sort of an increase in applications for rewilding projects and when we think about rewilding we might think about the people have heard of like the nep estate where there's like you know acres and acres of, of farmland and they've done this like incredible job with all this uh um you know planting massive trees you know all these sorts of things but rewilding can be on a much smaller scale as well have you got any off the top of your head uh nice rewilding examples yeah you know i i I'm I could talk about space art projects every <laughs> day because every day there are new ones being uploaded and every day there are some that have just succeeded and um it's it's amazing it's so inspiring I feel very lucky to be able to see that yeah the time um a really nice example is in uh northumberland um there's a there's a project there called going wild uh in a place called holt whistle it might be holt whistle in fact um <laughs> and um um it was targeted at families that otherwise wouldn't have access to 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 outdoor space or wouldn't have, have thought to access outdoor space. So it's encouraging those families to get out in in nature. They raised uh, just over five thousand pounds, and again, seventy uh, odd percent of that came from Space Hive's partners um, that are supporting environmental. Um, and, and net zero projects a really beautiful example of um bringing families together um to, to to access green spaces and and what's really key there is to to support um to get children excited mm. and um passionate about nature at yeah. a really young age and um the, the feedback from from some of those those children uh before and after it's just a beautiful fantastic idea and again small but mighty you know they need five grand to to make this this happen uh but the impact it, it will have will be tremendous and it will last four years so um it, it helps children that are facing isolation or loneliness it helps people be uh, more independent it's encouraging volunteers um and there's a forest school that is being developed outside out from it um and then that will start to train people to to work at the forest school as well so it's bringing together um you know marginalized um communities and and creating this uh, beautiful natural space as well and they um they funded it last summer I need to check in on how they're doing um but um it's again a, a really beautiful small but mighty and do you provide any like ongoing support once the projects are up and running? You said, "Oh, I, I need to check back in." And obviously, yeah. your your role as CEO, I'm assuming, is pretty pretty top yeah. level. But um, is there somebody who's sort of like able to give a helping hand if projects are, you know, experiencing teething problems and things like that? Yeah. So our focus is very much on getting them the funding to get started, and and part of the sort of checks that we do at the beginning is to see whether they've got the right team around them yeah. so we'll work with them to assess you know uh, uh, can you do this have you got have you got the right people around you but we're always here like we have we have project creators that 
you know fundraised years ago mm. and they will get in touch if they've they've got a query on on something what we do do um is track the impact so we ask all projects to um input um impact data of of what they um have delivered um what it's producing how many jobs it's created how many yeah. posts have been um and and so we can track um for that project and over time um how these how these projects are coming together to deliver as a whole yeah and that i think you, you sort of talked about asking and and it's um completely obvious is the wrong word but like of course you guys want to know what what impact it's had um but I, sort of one of the things I hear from people if they're wanting to, you know, find some funding for you know a small a small scale project is that the um, red tape you have to jump through in order to access what can sometimes be relatively small pots of funding can can feel completely onerous, completely out of people's comfort zone. It's not something they've got experience of. Is that do you sort of help to take all of that away essentially? Well, we we kind of replace that. So. Um... I don't know if you've ever applied for a grant, Jen, but I, t- I try not to do forms as much as yeah, possible. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like seven hundred page form. Yes, and um, what, what? And there are really important questions in those seven hundred pages, and um, those questions need to be asked. You know, this is public money; it's to make mm. sure that money gets into the right hands. What we've tried to do with Spacetype is create a system that enables that process to be much, much faster and enables that process to be faster for our local authority partners. So we work with councils up and down the country um, and um, they want it to go faster too. So um, our system takes on board the questions that are in those forms um but delivers it in a way that is much easier to digest and break down and much easier to answer and then we take those answers back to those local authority partners where it's relevant um so that the projects can still access that money but but the the idea of crowdfunding where those grant givers can support you is to put the power in the hands of the project creator so you lead with the idea, you fundraise the money and we'll back you every step of the way and we'll give you all the resources that we can. Um, and it creates a very different dynamic between these businesses, between these councils and the people that are creating the ideas because it's much more collaborative yeah. and much more dynamic in the way that it, it comes um together rather than this historical sort of bestowing of of money upon people and um because it's led by the community the way that people um embrace these spaces is different they feel like they own them they feel like they've created them we've done this yeah and so the the way that those spaces are used over time is so much more meaningful than if um the local council or a brand had had, had plonked yeah. something down for them to use so that, that's um, sometimes 
or that probably partly comes down to like messengers as well, doesn't it? Like who's the right messenger for this? And it will be somebody within the local community who understands the problem. So if the council came along and said, oh, we need more. I mean, I think it would be very unlikely that a council would come along and say we need more cycle lanes here. It seems to be something that councils really struggle to do. But like we need more, you know, because we've got net zero goals to hit and all that sort of thing and impose that on a community it wouldn't, as you say, be embraced in the same way as a local community coming together and going, God, we've got real issues with air pollution in this region. We've got real issues with road safety. We've got real issues with no way for our kids to get to school safely on on bikes. Like, what can we do about that? That's a very different, um, it might end up with the same solution, but a very different um, way that the, the community and people in that community will come together around that. Yeah, and, it, you know, local councils, um increasingly have you know some of the funds that we have from local councils are purely about climate change and sustainability um and they're really focused on it and we've got some that are um actively supporting active transport mm. they really want to see ideas like that um but you're right that by the nature of that relationship historically people can sometimes um feel suspicious before yes. they embrace something but actually if it comes from local residents it starts with a, a completely different dynamic the, the, i can't think of one uh, of our active travel um by active travel i mean cycling or walking mm. Um, I can't think of one of those projects that hasn't been supported by the the local authority. But the can you give us an example of a, a an active travel? Project? Yeah, so there's one um, in Chester, um, and it's took place last June, I think. It's called um, the At Fest, which was uh, an event, like an all day event on Sunday. Um, in pro promoting active travel in all its forms so mm. whether you're walking cycling wheeling in some way that's the day everyone is leaving their cars at home and um, traveling around Chester in 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 a, in a way that is um, better for the planet mm. and better for us and it was this beautiful um you know coming together and then they had workshops for kids like learn to ride workshop mm. biking um and it was it was designed to address people whose default way to travel is to drive into chester yeah. and, and and to show that there are um alternatives and they raised twenty four thousand pounds wow. to um make that happen and i believe it's 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 happening for for another year and of that 25,000 pounds um 18 of it came from Cheshire West and Chester Council which is one of our partners. yeah amazing I love it and so what's the if people are sat at home and and I'm sure like I'm someone who has lots of ideas, like I'm really good at having lots of ideas or thinking or seeing things and going, oh, that should happen and that should happen and that should happen. And then the reality of making these things, you know, then I just go, oh, I've got quite a lot on my plate and and <laughs> that's not going to happen. Um, But if people are sat at home and they're thinking, oh, um, you know, off the top of my head, like I'd, I've been meaning to start up a repair cafe locally or a community fridge or, um, as you said, this is some sort of um, active travel scheme or some there's an area that they've been walking past every day and thinking we need to do something with that. What's the minimum amount that people can sort of 
fundraise with you and and what the other end of it what's the maximum amount yeah so anyone can do this anyone can do this 65% of people that use space i've never done anything like this before and and you know some of those people are not necessarily digitally savvy mm. and, and and yet they come out of this not only raising money for the local community but um personally changed forever changed because they've done this enormous thing and they've raised thousands of pounds and done this brilliant thing for the community so anyone can do it it's super easy there is no um limit to how much you can crowdfund at all um we would probably tap you on the shoulder if we felt the number was was too high and would help you get another number um so anything from a hundred pounds upwards oh wow amazing it could be as small as a hundred pounds yeah. there is no upper limit um you just need to go to spacehive.com start a project from there your idea gets uh reviewed by our team who will be in touch with you to talk through it and then you know within a matter of days you can be up and running and um fundraising and does it help if you have I mean, team sounds really grand, but like at least a couple of other people on board with you, because in my experience of my very small experience of just running things like a swish, like, you know, a clothes swap locally or um, a repair cafe and things like if it's just you very quickly, it gets very draining, very tiring, very. um. so, you know, you talked about um, asking the questions of have you got somebody who can do this or have you got somebody who can do that? So there's that logistical thing, but having having other people to take up the slack when your toddlers come home brought home a vomiting bug or you know you're just knackered or whatever like do you see is there any correlation between a sort of a greater success rate if you've got more than one person involved I mean I think the nature of what we do is about bringing local people together mm. so I always think the more people that you can have supporting you and creating this groundswell of action the better and I think you've got to know your own um, abilities lots of the people that use space I've do it as individuals and then as it grows they bring in yeah. local volunteers um, but um, equally if if you are someone that is really good at um, writing a budget and really good at um doing all of that sort of nitty gritty um We're talking spreadsheets stuff. here aren't we which is <laughs> not my <laughs> if you're the excel kind you might want someone who is really good on social media mm, mm. who is going to be able to create you a nice video to go out and um show people and give people uh you know sell your idea to people now this doesn't have to be professionally filmed at all like a friend on a smartphone yeah is brilliant you but you want someone who can communicate the passion that you have for the project why you think it's going to work why you think it will be really successful and, and really clearly what you're looking for so I think thinking about what your skills are and what you might need and but often we find that it's a group of um local residents or a local um community group that that are coming together to um and then within within that group, they have their own um, skill sets. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, what what each of them need to do, but definitely someone focusing on 
making as much noise as possible within your own community, getting local, your local media, local bloggers, local business owners involved, maybe your MP, local yeah. teachers, um, someone who, um, you know, is, is thinking about the budget and the planning and, you know, what happens when the funding lands? What do you do the day after? Yeah not just about the funding so someone who has planned all that through um and um and and having a good online presence i think is key as yeah. with all the sort of things like this you want to create excitement and um generate that that real feeling that something big is about to happen and 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 why wouldn't i support this project that's the sort yeah. of you want to leave people with I was really heartened at the beginning where you said that you talked about the fact that that space hive is a is a reflection or of what's happening kind of um more widely and and it seems very obvious that therefore you would get projects around cost of living and all those sorts of things but that you also said that that climate project you know you were seeing climate and sustainability and nature projects because I think it's very easy to look at the news headlines and to listen to the political narrative and rhetoric and all that sort of thing and feel like oh we're 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 not moving forwards on this anymore we're we're backtracking and to know that there are still so many community led projects out there where people are recognizing that this is important and pushing ahead despite what you know might be coming out of central government or other countries or whatever like that was just so encouraging for me um you know to hear that do you find so if people at home Obviously, we've got an audience who are um, probably got a sustainability leaning. Mm. If you can think about what else your project can do in addition to sustainability, does that help? So you talked about the rewilding project and the fact that that's really helped with um, disadvantaged families and communities who wouldn't normally be able to have access to those green spaces. So ticking boxes is the wrong phrase to use, but it is um, hitting multiple goals on on top of your sustainability ones is that always helpful to be thinking really broadly about how you can make projects as inclusive and as um diverse in in the, the solutions as possible i think that is a beautiful um benefit that comes from it now some projects come with that in mind and some realize that that's going to happen as a result and, and we kind of help shape that as well but the more that your project enriches uh life in the in the area that you live and you know we, we talk a lot about society and community but 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 when you break it down that's what it is like it's the, the, the few streets around you where you mm. live how you can make them better and um like that composting heap in 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 Liverpool, and that is calling it a heap is probably <laughs> composting <laughs> project. Should we call but, it? <laughs> but this is the point, right? They, they created a heap, yeah. and yet the impact of it has yeah. been massive on those spaces. We we have an amazing video of a woman uh, called Ursula who created a project in Barnet. It was a, it was a flower bank, so it's um, she collects flowers that supermarkets and florists would otherwise throw away and mm. couldn't sell and she gives them to anyone based on their means so you go in there with what you can afford and she has created the most incredible 
hub. She works with um, young offenders, people with mental health issues. Um, and she talks about how that has changed the local area, but also how it's changed her. Mm. There's this lovely video we have from her where she says, I can now say I am a social entrepreneur. That's not something she set out to do. Yeah. But that is what happened as a mm. result of this beautiful idea that she had when she saw as she was going in her local supermarket, how much waste there was and that there must be a better way to to use all of this. And so we see ideas that range from community gardens to hedgehog highways to enable, um, you know, hedgehogs to move more freely um, uh, around uh, our gardens that are blocking them up because we've all built walls. and you know, one area that we haven't talked about that is really um, exploding on, on Speyside is the use of solar panels and solar. I was going to ask you, like, could a school use Speyside as a platform if they wanted to fund panels, or a church, or a you know, a, a village hall, whatever? Could is that the sort of project that could go on? Yeah, there? absolutely. They're they're doing it all, all, all currently and previously, and and. And we've seen a 300% increase in solar energy projects. I can't believe it's taken me till now to actually mention this um, because uh, it, it it's massive. We've seen community centers, leisure centers, schools, village halls that are investing in, you know, future-proofing their mm-hmm. buildings yeah. um, by fundraising for solar panels to go on the roof Um and that improves their energy supply. It mm. keeps their costs down by up to sort of 50, 60% in some cases. Um, and they're also able to sell back energy to, to the national grid. So it becomes um, income generating. Yeah. For it feels like places. such a such a win-win. Solar, I mean, solar in general for households and things, but especially for businesses and things when or schools when they're there nine till five yeah. and the sun's shining and all that sort of thing and um, actually yeah. a fantastic example of this is in Sirencester there's an open air pool there and it's one of the oldest open air pools in the country it dates back to the 1870s and yet they're preserving it because they've put so, uh, solar panels on on top of it and they they've created this environment where they can now afford to run the pool, but again, it's created a, a much greater sense of belonging and yes. a role for that pool in the local community because they, they the, the local people there feel like they've played an integral role in making it better. Yeah. Um, so we have that sort of thing happening all the time. There's an amazing one in Fulham. It's run by the local volunteer group called Fulham Good Neighbours. Um, and they wanted to install solar panels on the community hall. It's a really important, vibrant place for older people in the community, for less able people in the community. They rely on that space as a social space. There's recreational activities that happen in the week. It's it's tackling loneliness mm-hmm. and isolation. So again, you you solve one thing by putting the solar panels in, but you preserve something much bigger by, yeah. by actually 
ensuring that that space has longevity. And when they had the solar panels installed, they, the projection was that they would save 500 pounds a year on their energy bills. And they've gone way above that. The, the, the energy use has fallen by 60%. So all of the money that they've saved, they're putting back into community projects. So, um, and again, they raised 22,000 pounds. Just under 80% of that came from Space Hive Partners. Wow. So the mayor of London supported that. The local council, Hammersmith and Fulham, brilliant partner of ours, they um, also um, supported that because they recognized this is a brilliant thing to do it's going to safeguard this building it's going to mean that there is income coming into the building yeah. going to free up space and time and energy and money to go into projects that we all know should be happening so i mean i would imagine that there must be places like that around the country that are just having to fold yeah. because their energy bills have just got like, yeah hand and, and they can't yeah you know, it's just not viable anymore and the thing is, they, they probably wouldn't be able to spend £22,000 on putting the panels in themselves. But look what happens. Like Your local yeah. community will get behind you. They will support this. And we've seen it time and again on, on all sorts of different community buildings. And and it, it completely has changed the, the course of the future for some of these spaces. Yeah. So if there is anyone out there that is connected to a community building that has got a flat-ish roof, <laughs> or the ish, ish or south, south facing, <laughs> yeah, then please definitely get in touch because we can we can definitely help you um, put that roof to good use. And is there any on the sort of energy front and and significantly less sort of sexy and exciting, but any sort of anything around? you know, insulation and um, I'm just, it's not directly, I work, it kind of is insulation, but I know quite a few community groups who've um, now got like a thermal imaging camera that they'll be able to um, loan out to people. And, you know, so I'm just thinking if there's a group that that want to, the funds to buy it and then to put together a little resource pack and stuff for people to use it, that is, is there those sorts of smaller scale projects. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. And, and all you have to do is come on board explain why your idea is um important explain this is on your project page on on space i get people excited like very clearly explain what it is why it works and what it will deliver mm. and 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 then um you know get get to work telling people about it one of the things i'm um you know when people have like a focus word for the year and I, I haven't I've never done that and I, and I haven't sort of gone to that extent but a theme that I keep coming back to in my head is this idea of um, throwing a better party like we've got to make this um, fun for people to get involved with and this these sorts of community projects feel like completely ripe for this and um, I'm really aware that I'm always constantly putting you on the spot with like can you but like there must be some amazing examples of I mean you've already mentioned that active travel um festival and things but like ways that people have brought the community together around something that's just so fun and so engaging oh and by the way it's had a positive climate impact you know sort of that people don't would come to it who aren't the greenies and the the eco ones I mean there's, there's just so many of them and um I think they are ones like the active travel festivals because 
at the heart of that is a serious message about why it's important to mm. not use cars. But um, at its biggest sense and how it touched most of those people was an amazing day out for yeah. you and your family. Anything that you can call a festival probably <laughs> qualifies as throwing a better party. There's, there's <laughs> tons of festivals. We we just um, hit an amazing milestone Um last well we just announced it last week that we'd we'd reached over 30 million pounds raised and um we actually totted up i'm just trying to find it now um we totted up some of the highlights and we'd had 215 festivals 186 climate change initiatives 102 communal gardens 98 running tracks Wow. 55 community centres, 56 cycling events, 18 cinemas, 12 beekeeping projects, and a crab museum. A crab museum? <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure if you said crap or crab. You said crab no, as crabs, <laughs> crabs. Go to Margate. Oh, amazing. Amazing, amazing uh, tourist spot then. Um, um, I mean, yeah. what a transformation like for you you talked about you used the term um great resignation and and this sort of realization that I think that that lots of people are having that that work needs to be about more than a paycheck and and how can you use your skill set to align more closely with your values and all those sorts of things like that must be huge for you to reflect on that and think about your personal journey and and what you're now doing and facilitating making happen yeah and um what I'd like to see is all of those types, all those brands that I work with engaging in, in these kind yeah. of ideas and putting um, those vast um, budgets to, to great use on, on these ideas. Because I think what we're showing time and time again is when you put power in the hands of local yeah. people they will deliver time and again in the most incredible ways and um it's funny because you know my team we 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 work incredibly hard like everyone else up and down the country in their jobs we get cross and frustrated and a bit like oh it's monday but whenever i feel like that I just go on to the because project. you just need to go on the website and yeah. <laughs> go on the project way. page, and I just look at a few projects and I see what what people are doing and what's being launched and what's nearly fundraising, and it's very hard to not feel good that that's the thing that I'm getting annoyed about. That's the thing that that's that's bugging me today. So yeah. I feel incredibly lucky to um, to help. Um, as do all of my team and they're brilliant they're they're so um so knowledgeable in how to make these projects happen and and that's you know what what's amazing is is seeing people coming together in this way it's just like and we can see it very early within the within the first 20 30 backers we can see if it's going to happen or not um but you see when people come together just extraordinary energy that comes from it and and that that you can see that incredible levels of collaboration around an idea to make what was previously unthinkable yes. and 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 terrifying just happen with relative ease yeah 
And so not only, as I've said, you don't get you, you, you get the obvious benefits that that project sets out to create, but it's so much more than that. You're bringing people together, you're creating cohesion in the community. And there are some areas of the country where that's needed more than others. Mm. You empower volunteers, you make people feel like they own those spaces around you, you like uh, take a walk after this and just go and walk around the area that you live with fresh eyes yes. of, of like what could I do here and it's incredible what you'll come up with and there there's a project um near where I live and um and they were um raising money for a, a food truck it's called farewell um and I uh I got very excited when I saw it in a slide in a, in a meeting because I see it every week going around the streets where I live and um and it was incredibly uh humbling to have a conversation about them about what the funding had, had created for them and and you know all the people that have supported them that feel like they've helped co-fund it they've helped co-create it and then what space hive also delivers on top of that is the fact that local government the businesses that we work with are able to support these ideas to to fruition and that is what is so beautiful about the the space hive model because it represents everything that is important right now which Mm. is collaboration community um the 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 notion that sustainable-ish stands on which is that everyone can can do a part and 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 all of that together is is very powerful so I loved I loved that idea where you said you know either as you're listening to this if you I often have a podcast on when I'm dog walking or whatever like or or, you know after you finish go around and, and look at your community and 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 allow yourself to dream like what could be what could happen and think about your particular skill set or your particular passions and and you know how what are some of the things you'd love to get off the ground because there's no point you know um investing all your energy and time into a, a community fridge if you'd rather be doing a repair you know like thinking about what what works for you as well because I think that's really important resilience wise isn't it but so if people are listening and they already have a project in mind or they go for a little walk and then they come back and look at the website to sort of get inspired by lots of other projects that that have been um that are on there what's what's the first step so we ought to say the the website address first off yes so it's super easy um first of all and if you think oh no it'll never work it probably will just keep <laughs> I love that um so go to spacehive.com amazing start a project page it's free um it will take you through the steps that that you need to um go through or tell you what you need um and then from there we will be in touch to to help you get the idea off the ground and um on its way we also run a number of workshops around specific um themes so they might be around how to set your budget how to bring in a crowd um uh and we've also got the amazing um help center which is years of um advice that we uh, there's there's very few ideas that can surprise 
our team in in any issues that they come off every day we're amazed by the 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 imagination that comes through from from the ideas but we run lots of workshops we'll also put you in touch with other project creators <clears throat> excuse me that, that come from our alumni so people that have run a project like that's yours. so helpful isn't it to be able um, to learn from someone who's made the mistakes already <laughs> we'll say don't worry keep going yes yeah <laughs> um, um, amazing I mean you make it sound so easy and so doable so we just need an idea and we go and we start a project on the website and and then start talking to as many different people as we can about that idea to to bring them on board that's it it is easy it's it's easy and and that's what we our job we won't be finished until it's too easy Um, until there's somebody just throwing buckets of cash around on the street that's it that's the goal um but there will always be ideas there will always be a corner of of your community that could be better that could be stronger that could be more cohesive and um what we need are the people that are strong enough and 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 courageous enough to to take that on and and run with it and very quickly you will find people around you will will, will come on board so it, it is you said courageous and it is that isn't it it's that big deep breath take that first step and that's probably the hardest bit which is you know getting into it with, and that's not logistically difficult but courageously difficult but once you've done it you'll it's that if you build it they will come hopefully and people will come and find you and support you and, and you guys sound like you've got a whole huge wealth of resources there for for people to make it as pain-free as possible yeah definitely you know we've got too much of a, a fear of failure I think mm, yes which stops people starting things that would um, have this transformative effect um, but you know nine and a half out of ten projects succeed yeah, that's amazing and we will do our hardest to make sure that you are one of those ones so um, definitely get in touch amazing thank you so much I'm super aware of time and you have a nursery um, pickup to do in just a little <laughs> second so um, thank you so much Misha I'm really hoping that you get a little blip in um, you know projects and applications and things um, off the back of this but um, yeah I'm so excited to go and have another look and, and check out and be inspired by all the projects that are on there so thank you so much for coming and uh, oh, sharing all that with thank us you. thank you it's been really nice talking to you Right then, you know what I'm going to say now, don't you? Hit me up with your ideas for projects that you would love to see happening in your local community. You could do a big brainstorm because I'm sure if you're anything like me, you've got loads of ideas. And then have a little look at your list and really think about which one you would enjoy the most because I genuinely think that has to be a huge part of your decision-making process. There are lots of brilliant and very worthwhile and much-needed projects out there, but there is no point starting something that you're not going to actually love doing and being involved in. So once you've got your idea, your thing that lights you up, that makes you excited, maybe see if you can find a friend or a co-conspirator. We talked about that, didn't we, in the episode, because this will make your life so much easier. But if you can't, don't worry. I do think that they will come once you start to publicise your project. And then it's all about taking a big, deep breath, pulling on your big girl pants and heading over to Space Hive. You absolutely don't need to have all your ducks in a row to get started. The first step is that big deep breath, getting it up there. 
I cannot tell you how much I would love to see a project appearing on the Space Hive website from someone who has listened to this and it helped to give them the nudge, the courage. It's a really brave thing to do, to have a go. So please do let me know if that ends up being you. Right, that is all from me for this week. I will, I promise, be back next week with an upper, with another episode. It's enough of a struggle to say it. But I will be back next week, I promise. Have a great week in the meantime and I will catch you then. Take care. Bye.